Welcome to another episode of Criterion on the Couch, a podcast from two amateur film buffs as they make their way through the vast Criterion collection one title at a time, all from the comfort of the couch. We record each episode immediately after we watch each film. I'm Adam Urich, along with Jim Massessa. Today's episode features Watership Down. Jim's going to take us through the official Criterion summary and specs. With this passion project, screenwriter-producer-director Martin Rosen brilliantly achieved what had been thought nearly impossible, a faithful big-screen adaptation of Richard Adams' classic British dystopian novel about a community of rabbits under terrible threat from modern forces. With its naturalistic hand-drawn animation, dreamily expressionistic touches, gorgeously bucolic background design, and elegant voice work from such superb English actors as John Hurt, Ralph Richardson, Richard Briers, and Denholm Elliott, Watership Down is an emotionally arresting, dark-toned allegory about freedom amid political turmoil. This movie came out 40 years ago in 1978. It is 92 minutes long. It's in color, stereo sound, and 1.85 to 1 aspect ratio. And if you're following along at home, this is criterion number 748. Nice. I, uh, now I just realized why the voice of um the one was it the one rabbit was called like cowslip or something like that I think. Uh, cowslip is Denholm Elliott. Yeah, yeah. Um, from uh, Indiana Jones, he was Marcus. Hmm. You never saw. You never saw Indiana Raiders of the Lost oh, Ark. Oh, oh, Indiana okay. Jones: Last Crusade. I'm I'm just looking he's him up ma- now. He's only yeah, in yeah. he's only in the first two. Or the, I'm sorry, not the first two. He's only in Raiders of the Lost Ark and then Last Crusade. Yeah, he's in Last Crusade. Yeah, and um, yeah, he's he's like the bumbling. Yeah, he kind of always plays that part. I his, feel like he's been. A he lot has of a really good like, like, yeah. Well, had because he's he died, but like right, right. had a good unique voice. Um, I remember the one scene from Last Crusade where it's like one of he he was kind of like the com- the comedic foil in that movie, but he was always good when he was like wandering through like Turkey, I think, or like, he's like in Istanbul, and then he's like. Does anyone here speak English or ancient Greek? <laughs> uh, that was just funny. Anyway. Yeah, John John Hurt, he's like the big, kind of the big name for this. He's Hazel. And he is also, he's also the main character in the next movie done by this director. He also did The Plague Dogs, which is another Richard Adams novel also animated and i believe he started working on that immediately after watership down and a lot of the people who did the animation for watership down also moved on to do the animation for plague dogs john hurt did the the main dog's voice in that movie Hmm. Um, i don't remember who did the other dog's voice and he's in uh your all-time favorite movie oh yeah melancholia yeah i mean john hurt's been in everything he's, he's got, all like, he was Ollivander in the harry potter series yeah he, he was Wanda an alien he was in the elephant man Beef oh yeah Vendetta, elephant man. I forgot about that. and another connection he was in indiana jones and the kingdom of the crystal skull oof he was professor oxley terrible movie terrible terrible movie but good little uh, uh oh and he was in oh that's right he was the guy in uh, v for vendetta yeah he's like the chancellor yeah he's uh i mean he's been in tons of stuff but i was just looking at like some of the uh, most recent things that he uh he was also he's in been... uh, Doctor Who. He's one of the doctors in Doctor Who, but it's a little like out of like all the doctors have numbers. There's like the eleventh doctor, the twelfth doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think the doctor that he plays actually has a number. He was kind of like thrown in 
like a, a previously unknown doctor from their past. And hmm. I think he's just referred to as the war doctor. He was only in like three episodes, but they were usually like special episodes, like the uh, 50th anniversary, I think it was. But uh, another weird thing is that he, John Hurt, so he does the voice of Hazel in this version of Watership Down, but in the late 90s into early 2000s, there was a BBC miniseries, another animated version, and he does the voice of General Woundwort. Huh. Yeah. uh, In that version, but it's it's still John Hurt. And uh, speaking of versions, there's coming out the end of this year, there's another animated version of Watership Down coming out. Uh, BBC is putting it out. I think BBC One. It's coming out around Christmas this year. That's a CGI animated version. Oh, okay. And then I think it's going to go on to Netflix after that in America. But that'll mm. probably be early 2019. But that's got a lot of big names. So speaking of Doctor Who, Peter Capaldi, who was the the last male Doctor Who, John Boyega, Ben Kingsley, James McAvoy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Nicholas Holt. Um, so there's a lot of like big names doing that one. No John Hurt. But I bet I bet if he was still alive, they would have had him do a voice. Yeah. But yeah, so I, I don't know. I feel like this this came out late 70s. I feel like at that time, there probably weren't a lot of big animated movies that weren't Disney movies. Or children's movies, I should say. Right. This is definitely not a kid's movie it's not a kid's book even though it's about animals which would seem like it's a kid-friendly movie right definitely not a lot of like no it's like very violent a lot of blood i i saw i remember seeing this on tv when i was a kid maybe five and this movie like scarred me i think more towards the end when the uh like our main group of rabbits is fighting with the whatever their weird name is the alpha Elfrafan rabbits. Elfram or something like that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of blood, and mm-hmm. even when Bigwig gets caught in the snare, he's like choking, and there's like blood coming out of his mouth. I think my parents just saw, oh, it's a cartoon. We'll let the kids watch this. But nope. Yeah, I, I definitely had nightmares from that. Yeah, I bet. I probably would have had nightmares too. I mean, it was a good movie though. I I, I never read the book, never seen the movie before. Heard about it. Mm-hmm. Mainly as it like I remember when the show Lost was on, people were like, "Oh, it's like Watership Down," and really? I yeah, like it's there was a lot of comparisons or themes, I guess maybe in the mm-hmm. idea. I guess you could kind of see you you've watched Lost, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I think you can kind of uh, see how there's for people who haven't seen Lost. Yeah, well, that's your fault. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I would say that I think that there is some sort of ties back and forth to it there is like the the others and Mm -hmm. the idea like them trying to in in essence though it's kind of a reverse if you think about it because it's like the others are having their own little like society like their perfect little world on the island and then the other people are the ones who kind of you know the castaways kind of come in and try to yeah there's definitely a couple different groups of people there and and the main characters from lost are keep trying to find like their new safe place on the island right yeah i guess i can kind of see that i feel like i don't think i picked up on this when i was younger and i don't know if the intent behind watership down was this but i felt like this was an allegory for world war ii 
maybe not the war itself, but kind of right before the war, because our main group of rabbits is leaving their hometown because Fiverr says like a, a very like bad thing is coming. And we find out later that the rabbits who did not leave and stayed behind were all gassed. And uh, one of them says... I don't think they were gassed, though. Well, they were... They were, like, they just said buried they, alive. They covered in our our burrow, and then... You see, the air to the bad runs blocked with dead bodies. So we couldn't get out. And they kind of show them, like, almost floating through yeah. the tunnels. And he said... They just destroyed the Warren because we were in their way. Which sounds like something you would have said about Hitler or the Nazis. And then the Alsla, which is kind of like the rabbit's guard, they are giving identification marks to the other rabbits Mm -hmm. to say who's allowed to go out. You'll be identified by your mark. (laughs) They're almost like the SS. Yeah. That kind of does make sense because if, well, it's interesting because the the broader theme of the thing is like, oh, there's you have a thousand enemies, mm-hmm. so why should you fight amongst yourselves? So it's almost more of like a, a I, I I definitely see that. I think it's a broader thing of like about World War Two. You could you could definitely say that, but just in general, yeah. Uh, I mean, the book came out in the late seventies, so that's like post Vietnam. Well, the book came out early seventies. The movie came out late. Well, 70s. still, yeah, yeah. But Vietnam era, so really more like just talking about all war, I guess you could say, yeah. The rabbits are just trying to, even at the beginning, they're just kind of like almost fighting against each other. It's like, here are the rules. You can't leave. It's This is our society. Right. If you think about it, even the original uh, warren that they're in was going to like kill them for escaping. Yeah, they definitely didn't want them to leave, and they chase after them to bring them back. But that warren doesn't seem quite as violent as the, not a, the yeah, later one. Definitely not as violent, but still. It, it's, it is violent, but it does. they don't. I don't know if they necessarily think they're going to get killed. They definitely think they're going to be like stopped and taken back. Right. Even at the end when I think Hazel says to the general when he's trying to make, you know, negotiate with them saying mm-hmm. like, We shouldn't be fighting each other. We have enough enemies as it is. Perhaps we should be together, adjoining the free independent warrens. And that kind of goes back to the the very beginning of the movie is kind of the folklore or religion of the rabbits it's a story being explained about how they think the world came to be and there's right like, yeah the great firth firth or frith yeah frith which is great because later on i think it's bigwig he's talking to somebody and he says uh talk sense for frith's sake like hmm. it's, yeah that's but funny. in their religion their prince rabbit el elfera or el elfera but then when they refer to their chiefs, they always put Ra at the end. Yeah. Because they said, like, if Hazel became chief, they would call him Hazel Ra. And that's kind of the way their mystic first prince was named. But anyway. That goes even back to, like, Egyptian. The, yeah, yeah. The sun god Ra. So he, supposedly the first rabbit, him and his children were just eating too much and kind of destroying the land. And so their god made all the animals gave them like special strengths that they would hunt him, hunt the rabbits. Mm-hmm. When the fox came, and others like the dog and the cat, hawk and weasel, to each of them, Frith gave a fierce desire to hunt and slay the children of El Ahrera. And that's kind of 
where the like we have a thousand enemies comes from it goes back to their early religion yeah the black rabbit of inlay i feel like a lot of these things that are kind of rabbit folklore in the book they go into it a lot more here they don't really touch on it much until i think right in the middle where they think hazel's been shot and there's like a two-minute montage of fiverr like thinking about hazel it's for the length of this movie, that was a significant yeah. time to spend on a montage. But that's the first time you really see this like death character bouncing around. That thing gave me nightmares when I was a kid, too. And I think it may have been, I don't know if this is true, it may have been an inspiration for one of my other favorite movies, Donnie Darko. Because he always sees uh, yeah. Frank the Bunny. And Frank the Bunny has like ears that kind of stick almost straight up. I think one of them might be slightly floppy but this rabbit the death rabbit his ears are portrayed like standing up almost like a mask like a tribal mask yeah you know going back to the connection to lost the the black rabbit reminded me of the smoke monster yeah yeah kind of floating around and you know exactly like what that monster was the smoke monster supposed to be death he was like the, the smoke security was, system or something well no the smoke monster was what's his face the guy at the end in black like the man in black um, at the end, like in towards the, like the last season, um, the Asian guy? No, no, he's the he's the actor who's in that Amazon show Bosch. Um, what is his name? I'll have to look it up. I don't remember what his name is. Hmm. I just remember him. You would know he him killed if you Mr. Saw him. Echo, and like Mr. Echo was my one of my favorite characters. Yeah, but he was like that. He could he would turn into the he was like kept on the island. Huh. Whereas Jacob could leave. It was like that. That's when it flashes back, and it's like the very very old. Yeah, I didn't like um, Jacob. Because it was like white and black. Like yeah, the whole yeah, back that's, right, reference. that's right. The guy who played Jacob was, he was in the first, I think just the first season of Dexter. Yeah, He's he was Rita's, Rita's ex-husband. Yeah. So I didn't like him from that. But that Death Rabbit scene, they're playing one of the, I think the only true songs in this movie, like with actual words, mm-hmm. which was sung by... Art Garfunkel. Oh, really? I don't think it was written by him. You can't escape a Simon and Garfunkel reference in <laughs> Criterion like our, Collection. Like third or fourth movie we've watched that's had either Simon or Garfunkel or both. Bright eyes burning like fire. Bright eyes. How can you close and fade? On the special features, I was watching some of the special features. They said that after he sang this song for the movie, but before the movie came out, uh, he kind of changed his mind and he didn't really like this song and didn't want it to be put out. But they kind of already had it under contract, so they put it out with the movie. And then after the movie, the song became a big hit. So then Art Garfunkel kind of like changed his mind and he put this song out on his own album. Hmm. So, Yeah, funny how that works out. They had a, it seemed like a lot of difficulty putting this movie out. They had a lot of people kind of like backing out and changing their minds. It's definitely an interesting, I feel, I feel like a really interesting premise in that it's an animated movie. I guess right. how else do you really. Yeah, in the 70s, how would yeah. you do this? 
while it's not really like a Wes Anderson movie, I feel like... Like Fantastic Mr. Fox? Yeah. I was kind of thinking about that when I was watching this movie. Like, how would that be... What would this movie look like if it was made in that style? So not like, what would what would Wes Anderson have done with this movie? It's more like, what would it have done if it was in that like stop, stop right. motion style? That's a very similar story, too, I would say, to Watership Down. No, I feel like it's just... It's not... Well, maybe, because it's the farmer trying to like expand his land, and they're just trying yeah. to keep... And that's kind of what I remembered the story being, but I that's only a very small part right in the beginning about the farmer. Right, and that's then they what go drives to them a out. Different farmhouse. I think that they're Warren in the beginning. It's not a farmer that's closing right. up, it's, it's like a development. It's just a development, yeah. They're just like building houses and stuff in that area. And I may have also been confusing this in my memory with the secret of Nim, because I think in that the rats are getting like moved out because of No, that, I think that's a development too. I don't know. That should be a Criterion movie, The Secret of Nim. Mm, never seen it. Oh man, that was like that came out around like Dark Crystal time, I think. Uh, good. Never saw that either. <laughs> You're too young, Adam. <laughs> These are great, quote unquote, kids movies that were probably also too violent and would not be considered a kids movie nowadays. Secret of Nim. I remember like there's one scene where like that's that's also hand drawn animation where one of the rats gets like crushed under a brick. Oh jeez. Like, because they had it on like a pulley and somebody like cuts the pulley or something. Dark Crystal wasn't violently scary, but it was pretty just scary. Those Jim Henson Muppets were freaky. Yeah, I'll say too that I think that what's interesting about this is looking like thinking through all of the animated Disney films that existed before this. Did Purely looking at like from an animation style, how much more, I guess, like lower budget this feels like. Yeah compare this to a movie that like was animated in like the 40s and those movies just look so much better sure i was thinking a lot about um the disney movie the fox and the hound mm-hmm. um when especially going back to like the you know being like terrifying this movie terrifying you and stuff like that i do remember the bear in that movie being like really terrifying in the fox and the hound and like very like scarily animated right right kind of reminded me of a couple scenes especially with the dog like the dog like coming but I mean, the amount of violence in this movie is crazy because it's just, like, so much blood. Mm-hmm. You know, there's, like, tearing rabbits apart. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, a lot of blood, and even just when they meet the bird, Ke- Kihar, I think his name is. <laughs> Who's like, piss off. Right, they're trying that to help funny. him out, and he's just like, We help you. Piss off! But going back to the what you said about animation, there's, like, a short interview on the special features with Guillermo del Toro who said this movie really influenced him when he was younger. And he said... uh, I think the tragedy of animation, the way we understand it, uh, is that the world at large thinks of animation as uh, a genre, not a medium. They think about it as a genre of movies for kids. Yeah. Which it really was for... I feel like when I was a kid, that's all you really saw is animation. With some more like obscure like cult or pulpy movies that were mm-hmm. they were made for adult audiences but they were over the top made for for adult audiences there wasn't anything kind of in between where a family could watch it but it wasn't necessarily for kids what like, about like herbie the love bug that wasn't animated was it oh i thought you were talking about live action films no no i oh. sorry animated and i feel like now with like computer 
like CG movies. Yeah. There's a lot more like Shrek. It's kind of a kid's movie, but so much of the jokes are meant for adults. Right. And that's a lot of kids movies have more adult humor in them that is designed. Yeah. I think that's just like kind of recognizing the audience or the fact that more and more of the animators are parents and right. I guess letting, I feel like most of those are also kind of billed as almost comedies. Well, also think of the Cartoon Network kind of probably drove, like, let's say, I would say a large majority of your animated movies that have more adult type humor in them are post Cartoon Network era or like during the era of Cartoon Network. You've got like South Park. Yeah. You know, all of that, like being where those kids grew up with cartoons. And then so it's kind of like more accepting, like they, they like you said about the idea that it's viewed not as a genre but as a medium and i think in more modern times that's kind of come come across more like you think about what are the top animated shows that exist today they're all adult television shows you have like family guy the simpsons yeah you have like rick and morty yeah yeah bob's burgers you have a lot of those shows that are those are also like comedies too they're not like a a drama yeah it's like watership down's not a comedy there's not really much funny in it at all well true i think that's i guess that's sort of the thing is it is it really more that animation is animated movies tend to be whether they're adult or children's theme they tend tend to be funnier funny yeah yeah i mean i guess i'm trying to i'm really trying to think hard now of an of an adult animated movie that's a drama that was like mainstream and i really can't think of one there was the animated Lord of the Rings movies. Mm-hmm. This is way pre-Peter Jackson. Thinking about animation in an older way, and even modern times, animated movies, whether it's hand-drawn or computer-generated, I always had the feeling that that's the way, that's the medium to tell a story that you just can't do with human actors. Right. It doesn't have to be a comedy. It doesn't have to be a kid's movie. But anything where there's really, like, in this case, animals... Or with Lord of the Rings, it was, you know, settings that you just couldn't reproduce with a camera. Right. Nowadays you can. And that's why we have live action fantasy movies like Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings. Yeah. Even like Game of Thrones. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Game of Thrones. Like if they tried to do that, it wasn't written yet. But back in the 70s, that surely would have been an animated movie. Right. Yeah, it would have been. I like the, uh, I forget the name of it, but there's a name for just this rabbit's language that they have. They don't use it too much in the movie. I, I know in the book, it's there's a lot more of it, but like they call cars rudu, 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 yeah. I guess that's the sound it makes yeah. as it comes by. I think they called carrots flayra or something. They're down hmm. in that one Warren, and all the the carrots yeah. are there. That was another scene where it's it's not necessarily violent, but it's very kind of eerie. Yeah, I was trying to figure out what was going on in that warren where it was at first i thought it was they were tricking them into being captured by a guy by man and like he was there was going to be a man like reach in or like shoot him or something but then i think it was really more that just that the warren had been hunted down yeah because there were just so many snares that they were kind of hiding or afraid and just afraid to go out anywhere yeah but i I still still i don't know that that's really what it was and i no i think i think you're kind of right that's one of the scenes you had mentioned earlier that budget-wise, you can't really compare this movie with like a Disney movie. Right. But there were a few scenes that I thought they did pretty well animation-wise. And 
when they're down in that warren, you know, our main group of rabbits are eating the carrots. You're kind of viewing them through from as if the camera's in a tunnel looking at them. Yeah. And while they're talking, the camera kind of moves from tunnel to tunnel. And you're almost getting like a 180 of revolution around them while they're eating the carrots. It's not truly that way because as you pass from tunnel to tunnel, you're really just getting a new angle. But the overall perspective is, is as if you're moving around them in right. like a semicircle. And I thought they did that kind of well. I feel like anytime you're hand drawing something and you have to change the angle on it like that yeah. and keep it from getting like all distorted as you move around. For something like this, where they obviously had a smaller animation team, I thought they did a pretty good job. Well, so there's a technique, um, oh, I forget what it's called, but there was a technique that Disney, you know, the Disney Animation Studio developed around animation where they had like multiple layers and they were able to kind of create this almost three-dimensional way of yeah. the camera moving through by having like multiple layers and plates and like shooting them in a different way. They do that a little bit in here, but yeah. not a whole lot. Well, that's like the basis of animation, like you anyone who's watched any animated show can tell when they look at it when they're watching the thing you can see like the things that are the background and then the the, the things that were drawn to move and interact right. with the characters Usually the background's like different... muted colors right the front is brighter i think on the special features they did mention that the animators tried to copy some of the disney techniques but you know they just didn't have the staff like they would have on a disney right project they did have kind of the main room of the main artists and then they had I forget what they called them. They weren't like tracers, but almost like fillers. So mm-hmm. you would, yeah, the main artist that drew like the basics and then the other group of artists that kind of filled in the rest. Oh, what are they, what are they called? I watched a really good documentary about a guy who, he was um, like the first African-American animator in the, uh, in, in like the Disney animation studios. Um, really good documentary. And he talked about that type of stuff. And I forget what they're called. They were like all the junior animators and essentially, yeah, the, the main animators would draw, say like a character was throwing a baseball. They would draw, the main animator would draw them with like their arm all the way back, their mm-hmm. arm like halfway through the motion, and then their arm all the way through the motion. And then the other animators would fill in. They do all the tweening, as you would say nowadays. Like if you're working in Adobe Flash or something, you kind of set your keyframes and then the program itself does the tweening where it, it just generates all the frames in between your keyframes. So it's kind of doing the animation for you. Right. I think they were called the Inbetweeners. Oh, yeah. That was a good movie. Maybe. I don't think that was about animators, though. It's called Inbetweening is what, like, is what doing that is. Maybe that's why it's called tweening now. I think a lot of animation programs call, call it that, too, when it fills in the Yeah, apps. they were called the Inbetweener, who was... Hmm. Like, I just looked it up. I can't remember. Uh, we'll put the show notes in the show notes. We'll have what the name of the documentary is. Very interesting because he, like, this guy, like, had worked with Walt Disney and stuff and was in, like, his 80s when, and he was oh, kind of, wow. like, just retiring and he didn't want to retire. Like, he could still draw. And he was, he was a, uh, one of the animators who really took on the digital process of even doing the hand drawn animation and then learning, like, 3D animation. He, even, even as an older senior animator. Right. But this guy, like, came in and was working. He started with like the Disney animators, like the the guy, all the guys who were like the superior artists, and they had drawn like all like all of the like Snow White and Cinderella and like all that type of stuff. So yeah, yeah, you don't really get anything really hand drawn anymore. Even if you did, it's always got a bit of CG in it nowadays. The last Disney movie that was a hand drawn animated movie was The Princess and the Frog. 
Yeah. But again, I believe that movie was still drawn digitally. Right. It right. just wasn't 3D uh, computer graphic right. mo- com- computer graphically modeled. Yeah, I feel like Studio Ghibli, the Hayao Miyazaki movies, were probably some of the last epic hand-drawn animated movies. And right. most of their modern ones are probably, like you just said, digitally drawn. Right. But they're they're still hand drawn and they, those do have some CG in them as well. Right. Some of the other parts in this movie that I did think they did well, there's a few scenes where you're kind of looking out on a field. I think maybe Fiverr's looking out and kind of daydreaming. And then there's another part where they're kind of moving through the woods in the beginning when they leave the Warren and the camera stays on the woods and you see night kind of fading and the trees are kind of brightening as the sun comes up. You don't actually see the sun, but you see the change on the leaves and the trees. Mm-hmm. I thought they did that pretty well. Yeah. And then uh, I think one of the first scenes by a river while they're talking, you can see kind of the light streaks moving across the water. That was pretty well done too. I mean, I thought on the whole, the animation was done very well. I just think you could, you could tell it was not done. It was just a different, budget than yeah like a major disney picture in terms of the quality of of how they were animating it i guess you could say i feel like in a disney movie they would have animated the rabbits to make them much more distinct between each other versus the way they did it, it was very subtle in terms of the coloring and in some cases i felt like i was losing track of who was who because mm-hmm. i was like oh well, that rabbit was like a lighter tan color and now he looks gray and i think they were trying to talk about like demonstrate the different type of lighting that was occurring but i thought until you could like hear the voice or you could yeah really um see their like facial expressions you you didn't really know what rabbit was what rabbit hazel has a little dark coloring on him big wig kind of has the tuft of like dark hair on his head but really the rest of like their group it's really just comes down to like their sizes and their sizes aren't always consistently drawn it felt Mm -hmm. like so that was kind of hard to tell when they meet the more fierce Warren, the Elfrafran, mm-hmm. they all had blue eyes. Yeah, I think that was interesting because it was think almost like they were to like distinguish cloned. Them. Yeah, yeah, that seems strange. Except their leader had one kind of dead eye. Yeah, I feel like that's kind of just to make him seem yeah to make fierce. him seem like fierce, and he'd been through a lot. He like was blind in one eye. So this movie came out in '78, and I was looking on IMDb. I would say. 90% of the people who did the voices for this movie are dead. Yeah. It's kind of a shame. I mean, it is 40 years old. So I I guess most of the actors, if you were in like your 30s doing the voices, at a minimum, you're in your 70s now. I don't know. It seemed kind of kind of sad to me that so many of them... Well, some of them, like Denholm Elliott was, I think, like in his 50s. The person who does the voice of Hazel, Fiverr, Bigwig, Captain Holly, the Chief Rabbit, Blackberry, Silver, Pipkin, General Woundwort, all of them are dead. (laughs) And I'm sure some of these other ones have passed on too. I just didn't look them all up. The guy who does Kihar, the bird, Mm -hmm. his name is Zero Mostel. I'd never heard of him before, but apparently he was kind of a big comedian back in the day. Oh, huh. So that was almost like a cameo part. Oh, very, yeah. That makes sense. They're very proud that they got him. He kind of looked like a, uh, like an Abbott and Costello type comedian. Okay. And also, the name, Watership Down itself, is an actual real place. 
there was a real watership down and that's what this movie is based on that area oh uh, i didn't know that it is near the hampshire village of Kingsclear, which is in southern england almost right along the coast where the i think where the english channel is mm-hmm. so it's an actual place you can go visit and the scenery for most of these big wide landscape shots that they had were taken from they took pictures of the actual watership down area and tried to translate that to the animated drawings so a lot of what you see it's not precisely what the real watership down looked like but a lot of it was intended to look just like the original area right the score was really well done there were a couple cues that reminded me a lot of john williams Mm -hmm. there was at least two uh that were one definitely sounded like it came from star wars and another one that sounded like it came from uh indiana jones yeah Compared to the, the budget for the animation, it felt like the music might have had a, a larger budget. Especially in like the in the big dramatic scenes, like the big chase scenes, the action scenes, I thought it was like really, really well done. I think that added a lot to the production level of the film. I felt like that carried a little bit. I might be remembering this wrong, but I think on the bonus features, they had said that they originally had this one person slated to do the the music, and it came down to like two weeks before, or it might have even been like the day before he was supposed to come in to actually do the recording, and uh, he just couldn't do it. He like backed hmm. out. So then I think it was a woman who replaced him, and she only had about two weeks and wrote the whole score for it. Again, I might be remembering this wrong. I definitely saw that on the special features. I'm pretty sure it was this movie. But yeah, it, I thought it was the music was really good. And again, the only real song sung is that Bright Eyes song by Art Garfunkel. Right. I think they said that they had a deal with CBS because CBS put up a lot of money to actually finance this movie. So they had to put in some music that was from a CBS artist. And I think that was the Art Garfunkel song because I think he was a CBS artist at the time or whatever company, music company CBS owned. Hmm. There was a scene in the middle. It gave me a little bit of pause. It's the first time Hazel, they kind of pass the farmhouse and Hazel is talking to Pipkin, who's one of the smaller rabbits. Everyone else is sleeping and Hazel says, Pipkin? Hmm? Why don't we go and look around the farm? The um, um, farm, Hazel. What for? Cats and dogs. I've got a little plan. Won't it be dangerous? Of course not. Is it safe? Of course. Let's let's all go. No. Just you and me. And he kind of says it like pausing. It almost felt like. Hazel was trying to get rid of Pipkin. Yeah. Like he was going to bring him there and like knock him off. Mm-hmm. I think this is the first line Pipkin spoke in the whole movie. Why, why are they singling him out? But there was no, nothing nefarious about it. We find they were out. going after Doze. Right. Which is really the only, there's not really many female rabbits in this whole movie. No. There's not many female characters. There's the cat. Can you run? I think not. That's a female voice. Mm-hmm. There's Hisenthlay. 
Heisenthal. Sir? I want to talk with you. I'm in the mark and under your orders, sir. She's part of that new group of rabbits that right. they're saving. And Clover, who's one of the rabbits in the cage. Clover! Who's that? It's me. We're back. Hazel. And the, um, the woman in the, like, human in the farm. <laughs> There's a, a woman who says, What's all that then? Tab? Tab? A couple times, but I think that's all she says. Yeah. And even, like, the cat just says stuff like, You'll see. And then other than that, there's just, you hear some female voices every now and then, but I don't, I don't know if they're actually named rabbits. When they're walking through the woods, there's a female voice that says, I've never been in a wood before, Hazel. It looks dangerous. I don't know if that's supposed to be an actual character. There is a scene while they're halfway to getting to their new warren where a hawk snatches one of the rabbits and Fiverr sees the, sees like the tufts of fur. Everyone else is like, what happened? And he's like, Violet's gone. So Violet sounds like a female name. So maybe that was one of the female rabbits. It seems like that might've been the only female rabbit that was with them because he, they do say like, oh, we don't have any, there's no right, they does, get, so They get there and they're like, oh, whoops. It's only men here. Right. Well, male rabbits. So yeah, I guess the majority of the female rabbits in this movie are just Almost like merchandise, because like mm-hmm. we need to go s- steal their female rabbits so we can reproduce. Yeah, Hazel kind of says it. It's like they want to have this warren. They're gonna have to have does to like actually have it survive. Otherwise, w- we just came here and we're just gonna die. Right, but like they weren't going to save the rabbits that were in the cages simply because they were rabbits in cages. It was because they were specifically female rabbits and they wanted female rabbits. True. Although I don't know if that's why they send Bigwig. To the other Warren, to the Ephraim Warren, he was there to kind of. Yeah, it is. It's there because there were rabbits that wanted to escape and couldn't. So the idea is like they would want to be able to grow their Warren, increase the population. So why not? Oh, hey, there's some rabbits over there. Maybe there's some does. We'll take some of them with us. But I don't think they specifically singled out does in that instance. No, they just said that there were rabbits that were interested in escaping. So I did read this book when I was younger. I didn't remember a lot of it. I remembered the overall plot. Is it a long book or is it like a pretty short novel? It's not super long. I feel like maybe it was like 400, 500 pages. Okay. I guess that That's depends pretty sizable. on what version you're reading, paperback or hardcover. I think I had a hardcover. But I also have the, there's a sequel to this book that came out in the 90s. Written by the same guy? Written by Richard Adams. And it's a sequel, in quotes, called Tales from Watership Down which is really a collection of short stories that the rabbits tell each other. Kind of like the intro to this movie where it's Mm -hmm. like their religion. I think most of the stories in Tales from Watership Down are more of the like the lore of the rabbits. I believe it's some of the rabbits from this movie talking to each other, but you're not really getting their new life or anything like that. Yeah. I did read The Plague Dogs, the other novel that Richard Adams wrote that was also animated. That movie... That book and that movie are so much more intense than Watership Down. May just be because it's about dogs, and I feel like dogs are more relatable to humans. Dogs are much more common as a pet than a rabbit would be, although some people have pet rabbits. But that's another example where he anthropomorphizes. Yep. Said that right. 
and I think most of his novels are like that. He has he has one about bears, I think. I forget the name of that hmm. one, like Sherrick or something like that. So the, the main idea of Plague Dogs is that these two dogs escape out of a testing facility where mm-hmm. testing was being done on dogs, which is bad enough because there's a lot of backstory on that. But the humans think because the dogs kind of escaped out through a incinerator that wasn't turned on. That's how they, they get out of the ventilation system. But the incinerator's there because they would incinerate animals that had been tested on with like the plague. Mm. So now they think these dogs that are loose might be carrying the bucolic The bucolic pay- plague. There you go. Bucolic. So the whole English countryside is trying to hunt down these two dogs because they're paranoid that they're spreading oh, okay. like a plague across. Yeah, the bubonic plague, yeah. So that's another example of the animals traveling across the English countryside and they kind of make quote unquote friends. They, mm-hmm. they have like a weird fox they run into, whereas this movie had a, a weird bird. Right. And he kind of helps them out. But that movie, oof. Watership Down doesn't necessarily have a happy ending. It sort of does because they... It does. I would say that it has a happy ending. They established their warren and they're kind of living okay. But then right at the end, Hazel dies. Yeah, but Hazel, it's not like it's a tragic death. Hazel is like clearly very, dies very of old. old age. And like it's kind of like, oh, it's moving on to the next thing, the next life or whatever. I would say that Watership Down has a happy ending. Plague Dogs does not have a happy ending. Okay. Although the spoiler alert. I'm not gonna I won't go into details, but the book, at least my version of the book, there's an alternate ending. I don't know if that was included in the original. I don't think it was, where there is a happy ending. Either way, in the animated version, it's the same deal where there's one sung song and it was sung well the name of the song was called Time and Tide. It starts playing like right at the end credits. And it was sung by Mr. Alan Price, who I don't think is related to Vincent Price, but he was the original keyboardist for The Animals. Mm. So like House of the Rising Sun, Don't Let Me Be Misunderstood. Very sad song, very sad movie. I don't feel no pain no more. I don't feel no pain no more. I've left this cruel world behind I found my peace of mind I don't feel no pain no more Kind of made me stop reading Richard Adams' books <laughs> after that. Like, something can be very well written, but if it's just going to, like, crush you, it makes me not necessarily want to read that. I can right. appreciate it. I love Melancholia, one of my favorite movies, but it's very sad. Like, it just brings you people down. People die in the movie, not dogs. Well, it's, it's been like it's a proven a thing that, that humans, people watching TV shows or movies, react more negatively to the death of an animal than they do to the death of a human. Yes, I would agree. I've thought about this a lot. I feel like when it's something like an animal, especially an animal that's been given human personalities, right. it's still, that animal still viewed very innocently. They don't have control over their environment. Whereas I feel like most humans, at least in movies and stories, they had some control over what happened in that story. I mean, that's not always the case, but there was probably a a point in the story where there was a chance they might influence the path. And I feel like in a, a movie like this, the rabbits can do everything they want, but a bulldozer could come through and just destroy their warren and they have no control over it. Right. So it's it's much more tragic where it seems like all their actions can be very futile and it's really up to 
the unseen human powers to ensure that they're going to live or they're going to die or their lives are going to be lived out happily under a tree on the top of a hill somewhere. Mm -hmm. Anyway, I did enjoy this movie. I did enjoy the book, but it's not something I can watch all the time because I I feel like... No, yeah, it was definitely... I thought it was a really good movie. And again, I think sometimes you go into an animated movie being like, oh, what's this really going to be like? But no, I thought it was really good. You're right, though. I don't know that I would watch it again anytime soon, but it's definitely a good uh, movie. I can't believe it took me this long to to actually watch it. But yeah, definitely a recommendation. One of the few animated movies in the Criterion Collection... I know Fan- Fantastic Planet, is that animated, I think? Well, Fanta- uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox is in it. Yeah, um, not really anim- I mean, it's it a is. form of animation. Yeah. yeah. I-, I feel like there are a-, a handful of animated films that would just be like older or, or foreign films that are in. Yeah. But yeah, I- there's not many animated films in the Criterion Collection. Yeah, so if you like animated movies and you're watching Criterion movies, this may be one of the few options to you, so check yeah. it out. Yeah. That's it for this episode of Criterion on the Couch. You can find the show notes at criteriononthecouch.com slash watershipdown. Next time, we'll be discussing The Princess Bride. Don't forget to check us out on Facebook. On Twitter, we're at Criterion Couch. And on Instagram, we're at Criterion on the Couch. I'm Adam Yurk with... Jim Massessa. Thanks for listening. See you next time.